Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Greetings to everyone in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, the Christ. Today, we're going to be looking at chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. It is the first major issue that he's going to be dealing with after he has established, when I say he, Paul, has established his right to speak. As the founder of this church, as the one that laid the foundation, others came and watered, but he recognizes that God gave the increase and that these factions within the congregation have to go away, they have to grow up, and all come under the authority of Christ. In chapter 4, he establishes that he is their spiritual father, and so he's going to speak to the issues. The first big issue that we're going to come to that has been reported to Paul, who is in Ephesus at this time, he's going to be in Ephesus two years and three months. He was in Corinth a year and a half. But he's writing back, and he's going to speak to immorality that has come into the body of Christ. And it's not being dealt with. It's in the church. The people know about it. But it's not being dealt with from a scriptural perspective. And I want us to read chapter 5. It's a short chapter, but I was saying to Yoni before we started this podcast It is probably one of the most relevant passages of Scripture for the church in the Western world today, who has become arrogant and boastful before God because they don't want to do things God's way. They know better than God. They want to do things their way. And we're going to read this chapter, and hopefully as we come to the end of chapter 5, you will see how we are to exist as a body of Christ from a scriptural perspective. And so let's just start off by reading chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Yoni, if you could read today. It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not even exist among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in the body but present in the spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this, as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Clean out the old leaven, so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Therefore let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous 
or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. This is an incredible passage that is so simple and so basic to the Word of God, but gets so complicated in the world in which we live in. We are actually living in the, in the Western world in a pantheistic society. And when I say pantheistic society is that all roads lead to God. That's the world in which we're living in. It's a pagan society. And part of a pantheistic society is ethics that says you cannot judge. You're a hater if you tell someone that it's wrong. Unfortunately, that has come into the body of Christ, this philosophy that we are to love. Now, what are they defining love as, Yoni? Non-judging. Yes, tolerance. Tolerance, yeah. Not tolerance. being a hater, not judging. And, mm. and saying the Bible teaches us not to judge. It mm. does teach us not to judge in the context of hypocrisy or to condemn. But we come and we judge with a righteous judgment, and if something doesn't represent God, we speak to it to help a person. But in the body of Christ today, in a lot of the Western churches today, a pantheistic ethical system has come in that it doesn't matter what is going on in that person's life, even if they name the name of Christ, they could be living in sin, but bring them into the body of Christ and bring them in, let them be part of us, and through our love for them, which they're defining, as tolerance, tolerance, then we will win them and they'll get out of that lifestyle. But what Paul is saying here, a little bit of leaven destroys the whole batch. And what we're seeing in the seeker-friendly movement and movements like that, that it's all about getting people into the church. And salvation is not about repentance, turning away from the sin of this world and turning to God by faith in Christ and a new life in the Spirit and coming into a new understanding of who we are. It's about people being part of a church, then teaching them how to serve, and they're still living in sin, and then hopefully as we speak to that, they will come out of that sin within their life. The problem is, from this passage of Scripture, as we go through it, they're arrogant. Which, which is interesting because it's almost counterintuitive. I, I, or maybe that just shows that I have such a wrong cultural background. But naturally, you think is, it's arrogant to judge. Yes. But he's presenting kind of the opposite. He, he's presenting the opposite, and I believe the Word of God presents the opposite. If my child goes into the street, and I look at my child in the street, playing in the street, and say, well, I cannot judge that being in the street is right or wrong. Who am I to judge if that's right or wrong? And I don't speak to it. I'm going to destroy my child's life. They're Mm -hmm. going to get run over. They're going to get killed. Mm -hmm. But I look at my child that I love and look and I scream and I shout and I run to them and I pull them out of the fire and say, no, you are not to stand here. You can get destroyed. I am judging where they are is wrong. I'm not judging to condemn them, to destroy them. I'm not judging in hypocrisy because I'm standing in the street as well. I run to them and judge this is wrong, and I grab them and I pull them out of that situation. That's actually humility before God. 
That's actually saying that God's ways are better than my way. I'm not interested in that they're mad or upset with me. I'm interested in the welfare of that individual. So we judge every day. We judge what is right and what is wrong. If we're walking down a street that doesn't look like it's a safe place for my, my children, we're walking, I'm going to take them around the other way. If I see a person that I don't feel is a good influence within their life, I say, no, I don't want my children to associate with this individual. I'm going to pull them out of that relationship because I love them. In the body of Christ, why wouldn't we do the same thing? When we see people living in sin and they're part of the body of Christ and they're naming the name of Christ, they're destroying the gospel, they're also destroying the faith of the community. We're a community of faith. And when we don't speak to it, it's like saying that child that's playing in the street, it's okay, we're not going to judge, we're not going to be haters, we're going to see if they can make it themselves. That is arrogance. However, you're right. We flip that upside down. We think the person is, that is saying we're not going to judge, which we are to judge within the body of Christ. We don't judge the world. They're judged already. They're judged that this, the judgment of God is upon them. Their only answer is the gospel and that they come out of that and put their faith in Christ. Now, here in this situation, let's go verse by verse, and hopefully people can see the arrogance of that mentality. It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, such a kind that, is, that does not even exist among the Gentiles. They're living in Corinth. Yeah, hotbed of sin. Yes, <laughs> temple prostitution, museum that has statues of STDs that they have discovered that from that time period that they can see that that was a problem within that city. Wow. I didn't want to say that. Sometimes I don't like getting too specific, but if wow. you can just imagine the immorality of Corinth, that part of your worship in the temple is to sleep with a temple prostitute. To see that and to understand that there's someone within the body of Christ that's beyond that and not anyone saying anything to this. People today come into the body of Christ and they're living together. They're not even married. And people are afraid to speak to it. Now, what is that doing for the young people that are coming up within that community of faith? They're seeing that. They're living together. They're serving. They're doing this. They're doing that. And a little bit of leaven leavens the whole batch. As we allow that and do not confront it, and part of our confrontation is not just speaking to it, but if they're not willing to repent of that, they're out of the church and we're not associating with them mm -hmm. because they name the name of Christ. They're saying, well, I'm a Christian in that church. They're judgers. They condemn me. No, we didn't condemn you. You condemn yourself. You're living in sin. We're speaking to the issue that is destroying your life and will destroy our church. Yeah. God saved us out of that. Let's look at this. The man was sleeping with his father's wife. This is probably what happened. In that culture, a man loses his wife. To find another wife usually takes a younger bride, many times arranged, given to an older man with a younger wife. He has a son that's probably close to the age of his new wife. They develop a relationship. 
between that son and his father's wife. It's not his mother, but his father's wife. This is taking place. A relationship develops. It becomes evident within the body of Christ. They see them in certain situations. People are talking about it. People understand that something really unholy has taken place, but not anyone is speaking to it. There's not one believer that is speaking to it. It is known, in fact, a report comes to Paul, and Paul has to speak to it. And Paul actually loves this individual. Paul actually is humble before God. I can see Paul just crying out to God, how can the church at Corinth allow this to take place? How have they become so arrogant before you, God? Mm -hmm. We exist to honor God, not to dishonor God. So this is what I'm saying, Yoni, for the seeker-friendly movement, I believe is on a wrong foundation. There are many strong believers, strong churches, great churches, that are on a wrong foundation sometimes. And as we're on a wrong foundation, it will get further and further from the truth down the road. Our foundation as the body of Christ is that we come into the kingdom by repentance of turning away from our sin, by faith in Christ, and we embrace a new life. And Mm. when we come into the body of Christ, that is a serious thing. I had one of the pastors at one of the largest churches in America say, we don't take church membership. We don't believe it's that big of a deal. I said, is it the body of Christ? He said, yes. I said, so you're taking people that are living together and you're taking a don't ask, don't tell mentality and they're coming in living together and you're not dealing with it. And they're part of your membership. They're part of the body of Christ and they're naming the name of Christ, but they're living together in a sinful relationship. Is that right or is that wrong? So he turns to me and says, well, you and I have divisions, but we're still part of the body of Christ. And I said to him, there's a difference between you and I having a division. I still see you as a brother. I know you're my brother in the Lord. I know you have a genuine faith. But don't you see the difference between that and a guy sleeping with his father's wife? And he admitted, he said, yes, I understand that there is a difference. And I said, you have cheapened the body of Christ. You have cheapened the gospel. And this should not be in your church. At the end, we were pretty much in agreement. But a lot that are in this seeker-friendly movement are on the wrong foundation because it's all about seeking individuals, bringing them into the church and seeing them slowly come to a faith in Christ and seeing those things in their life slowly go away and them embracing the gospel. But, but you're almost... The, prob- you're, you- the problem is this is that they're classifying them as part of the church before Mm. their part really have embraced the gospel. And by doing that, they have become arrogant before God. Well, they've also it almost feels like they've cheapened the church, too. You know, this whole argument, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. They're not really providing any spiritual protection for for the so-called body that they have. Yes. The way it's explained, well, we don't deal with that until they start to serve. And once they start serving, we start dealing with this. If... If they're still living in that, we tell them, well, it's not. You need to go back to class 101 or this or that to this connect group, that connect group. And then when you start serving, we want to see you come out of that. Mm -hmm. But they still consider them part of the church. 
And what I'm saying, this has got to stop within this movement. A lot of great churches, a lot of great people. But when you're on a wrong foundation, then you're in trouble. And the next generation, and the next generation, they're going to move further and further from the true understanding of what it means to follow Christ. And it's morphed into a neo-Gnosticism that is separating your faith from your life. It is a faith not based upon the Word of God. It is a faith that is moving upon the philosophy of men. And this is the danger. So the seeker-friendly movement, I love. I have family members. I love uh, many pastors that are friends. I know their hearts. I know that they mean well. But they better recognize now that there's an arrogance that they have towards God that has to be gone, and they need to walk humbly before God. And that means when there is someone living in sin within the body of Christ, it has to be dealt with immediately. And if they're not willing to repent, they need to be removed from the church. And if they still name the name of Christ, you don't associate with them because they don't represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what I'm saying is basic through this chapter. Let's continue. Verse 2, you have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him. I thought we weren't supposed to judge. Again, Hmm. we're not to judge with hypocrisy. Judge not, lest you be judged. First remove the log from your own eye, then you will see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Check any time that we judge, check our own life and see if we're not doing the same thing. Also, when we judge, we're not judging to condemn. We're judging to bring life. Bring life Mm. to an individual. He has Mm. already, Paul's already judged him. He's judging with a righteous judgment. Who has so committed this as though I was present in the name of the Lord Jesus Our pastors need to stand up and say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, if you're not willing to get rid of this sinful lifestyle, get out of this church. In the name of the Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's true humility before God. To look at a person that you love, to look at them, I want to help them. I want to get them out of that road that they're about to get destroyed. And to say, you're not part of this body. You're not part of the membership of this church. You're not in Connect Group 101, this, 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 and this. You're not part of us. Now, we're releasing you and putting you out so that you can come back to a true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that your soul can be saved, that, so that you can be redeemed and you can know that there's a different life that God has for you. Yeah, and there's something like profoundly beautiful in that. You know, it's uh, it, it, at first you read it, and, and I, I guess with, with no prior context, you can kind of think how heartless to just kick someone out. But if you consider it this way, the man who lives in sin is not living under God. The man who's living in rebellion to God is not living under the grace of Jesus. Right. He has taken his own soul and he's condemned himself to hell. 
by making that clear, you're giving him a road to repentance. You're saying, hey, come back. We don't want you to die, but you, you are not saved. Yes, you're not part of the body of Christ, and we want you to know that because we love you. We're speaking the truth in love. One of the characteristics of the love of God in 1 Corinthians 13 later on, it does not rejoice with unrighteousness. It rejoices with the truth. If I had a son that was addicted to drugs, living under my roof, my roof was continually bringing drugs into the house, and then I have other children in the house, mm-hmm. and I've dealt with this over and over, what father would not kick that son out of his house? Yeah. Because if I don't, if I don't deal with that properly, not only am I condoning what he's doing and being an enabler to what he's doing, I'm going to destroy the rest of my children. Yeah. And that's, that's a tough thing, it's a but tough it's a thing. loving thing. It's a loving thing, and it's a godly thing. And Paul is the only one here that's truly loving this individual. Mm-hmm. Now, we flip that in our, our society, that as I'm speaking, there are some people that could be listening saying, man, that guy's really arrogant. Mm-hmm. How can he say, look at him judging. How dare you kick him out of the church? But actually, the person that's thinking that has become arrogant before God because they're so filled with the philosophy of this world that they can't even recognize simple truths mm-hmm. of God's Word. And, and they will destroy that individual, but not me. It's not going to come on my watch. You and I and others, we need to understand, as we understand God's Word, we speak the truth in love. And if we really love this young man that's sleeping with his father's wife, we'll kick him out of the church. And let him know, you name the name of Christ, but you don't belong to Christ at all. And if you don't belong to Christ, you don't have fellowship here. We are a community of faith under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven. That means get rid of this young man, this man, so that you may be a new lump just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. It's taken us back to the imagery of Passover. And at Passover, which is one day in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but at this time it became known as one and the same, that before that week you got all the leaven out of your house, out of everything that you eat. And here he's using that as an analogy of leaven representing sin. Get it all out so that we can be a pure batch of dough and that the leaven doesn't come in and doesn't spoil the whole batch. He's using that imagery as the Passover lamb, as the the lamb of God of the week of Passover that we see that they, the Jewish people would get all the leaven out of their house. In the same way, within the body of Christ, who is our Passover sacrifice, we don't want to have any leaven within the body of Christ. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Now, this is very important. I did not at all mean with immoral people of this world or with the covetous or swindlers or idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. 
Think about monks of the past. We want to get out of the world. That's not what the Word of God is saying, that we go somewhere and take a vow of silence and get away from people. We're to be in the world. So we're interacting with people that do not know the gospel every single day. We associate with them to be a light in darkness. However, the darkness has come into the light. So yes, we are to associate with people within this world. Verse 10, again, says that. Verse 11, he gives what he actually meant. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother. So let's put it in a practical understanding. This guy is living in sin. Kick him out. And when you see him in the community, if he's still naming the name of Christ, you don't associate with him. He's not my brother. I don't associate with him. You tell the people in Corinth, this is not who we are. We're a different people. We don't live this life. We have the power of God's Spirit within us that saved us out of this immorality. And the moral things of God come alive through the power of God's Spirit, and we are a community of faith in Yeshua. So here, they're not doing that. Verse 12, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? They're already judged. I don't, I don't go to someone else's house and say, oh, your house, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. But I do have to take care of my own house and the house of God. I don't go to an outsider and start judging them. Do you not judge those who are within the church? See, Paul has already judged. He's saying you're to judge what is right and what is wrong within the body of Christ. And they had not done that. They had become arrogant. But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Kick him out of the church. When we remove that principle from our communities of faith, wherever it is, we have become arrogant before God. And that arrogance is everywhere in the Western culture. It has come into the church. It is pagan. It is pantheistic, pantheistic ethics. It is coming into church. It packages itself in many different ways. And it's coming in. Don't be a judger. Don't be a hater. Don't speak to this. Let God deal with it. And God is saying to us, quit being arrogant. He's living with his girlfriend. He's not married. He's naming the name of Christ, and he's part of this church. Kick him out. Give him a chance to repent. If he doesn't repent, kick him out. Don't associate with him. And hopefully, by doing the right thing, he will come to repentance and understand there's a different way to follow Jesus Christ. It's very convicting because it's also, it's, he goes on expands the different types of things that we should be having an eye on and thinking about, okay, this is something that merits kicking somebody out of the fellowship. And it's being immoral, being covetous, it's being an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, a swindler. It's all of these things that a lot of us can find ourselves falling into one time or another. But it's these things that it's almost like we need to realize this is serious and this is the, the body of Christ should not be known as a group of people that endorse such things. Yes, and we also have to remember this is a person living in sin. Yes. It's not, he's not repentive of it. Mm-hmm. He's not coming down and saying, I need help. He's not crying out to God, and he's not coming to his brothers in the Lord and saying, pray with me, I've got an issue. Can you, can you help me? I'm living and doing wrong, and I, I need help. Mm-hmm. There's not any repentance here. 
And so it's a person living in sin, not repenting, and the church tolerating it. That's not the love of God. We need to listen to this and be humble. Again, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 66. To this one I will look, God says to the Jewish people, one that is humble, one that is contrite, and one that trembles at my word. And it's time for the body of Christ to tremble at the word of God again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, keep us humble. Keep us broken before you, O God. Keep us in your word, understanding your word. And Lord, willing to follow your word even when it hurts us at times to do the right thing. And Heavenly Father, let the power of your word come alive within churches today. Who are getting, let them get away from worldly philosophies and let them get back to the simple truths of your word, oh God. Let us tremble at your word again. And Heavenly Father, let us truly love with a godly love, not with a man centered love, but with a God centered love. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, Feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.